You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Welcome to Accentuate the Positive with Karen. I'm so delighted to have Nicola Grace with me today, the mission mentor. She's a multi-best-selling author, transformational leader and quantum activist. She helps people clarify and monetize their mission for world change, then trains them to be able to reach mission accomplished. Her expert insights appear in the best-selling book, Ready, Aim, Captivate, along with Deepak Chopra. For over 25 years, Nicola has been facilitating transformation and awakenings for thousands of people around the world, having taught A Course in Miracles internationally and globally. She is a co-creator of the Awakened Mastery Formula, which she teaches at her retreats, helping changemakers finally break free of what's holding them back from being the super being they are and the superpowers behind their six senses. Hello, Nicola. So great to have you on the show. Great to be here, Karen. Thank you. Wow, you sound like you've done a lot with your life. Tell me, how did you wake up to your mission on this planet? Well, I think I actually was awake when I was five, and I'm sure everybody listening can relate. As children, we're very naturally drawn to what it is that we like to do, and it's all really there in our childhood, but it gets beaten out of us once we go to school and as we go through life. But When I was a kid, I used to have this game that I would play on a regular basis with my cousins with Tonka toys, where I was leading everybody to this beautiful meadow where the butterflies lived in harmony with the human beings and it was nature and it was a beautiful, lovely planet. Essentially, I was visualizing the new earth and I was helping people understand how to live within the laws of nature so that we can have harmony and prosperity for everybody. And that was very, very early on in my life. So I I kind of knew that I was always going to be a teacher, but a teacher at what? That memory of me as a childhood basically teaching quantum physics or quantum activism didn't really come into my mind until 2006 when I was working with the natural health industry. And all of a sudden I started waking up to that vision that I'd had as a five-year-old going, wow, that's actually what I'm really supposed to be doing. Teaching people, uh, you know, how to use quantum physics, how to use consciousness to create harmony, peace and harmony in the world. Yeah. Wow. So as a five-year-old, did you find that you were different to other five-year-olds or did you just feel the same as everyone else? Oh, no, I was an alien, just like everyone else listening. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know who my parents were. It's like, who are you? You're not my real parents. (laughs) (laughs) So you found you had a, it's such a common story, isn't it? People find it hard to relate to their parents. They look like, how did I, how did I get to this? (laughs) How how am I a member of this family? Exactly. So how old were you when you really started to wake up to what you were doing here on the planet? And what was the sequence of events that, I mean, I know we we have an understanding as children, but then we really try and fit in, don't we? We really try and play this human game called life, make money, get married, have babies, you know, all that career, all that sort of thing. What was happening for you? For me, it was eclectic. It was like trying stuff and following my nose and following my passion. So I'm a, a, a double a double major history, shot out of the country to go and meditate with Buddhist monks just shy of graduation. So I actually never graduated and, and never got my full degree. 
and uh, was much more interested in meditating in Thailand with Buddhist monks. And then I really loved dancing, so I ended up auditioning for a dance theatre company and became a performing artist and was did that for five years. And then that led me into television, which led me into the corporate world. So I was in merchant banking and doing corporate stuff, doing uh, desktop publishing and always being creative at some level. Mm. And then, you know, went and worked with A Course in Miracles International again, sort of seven years with them, teaching awakening and what have you so just really following my nose but it wasn't really until I worked with the natural health industry in New Zealand in 2006 essentially what had happened is Australia and New Zealand governments had got together to say hey wouldn't it be a great idea if we form a corporation and that corporation was funded by big pharma pharmaceutical companies and we're going to have them regulate themselves as well as regulate the natural health industry and then we won't have to pay for it and it'll all be hunky-dory. And that essentially meant that the natural health industry in New Zealand, being the smaller country, would be completely wiped out. So for seven years, the industry had fought that legislation. It had passed in Australia, was two weeks away from passing in New Zealand. When I came along and said, I've got a strategy, I think we could win. I'd been living outside of the country. I didn't know what was going on. I just arrived home. And when I found out about it, um, my naturopath got me in front of the board of people as part of the Natural Health Alliance. And, and I rolled out my strategy. What was the strategy? I was I was nobody actually. It was like I was nobody really to them. I was just this business owner that had this really good idea, and they were all out of luck. The strategy was was several fold. It involved obviously doing uh, doing a whole lot of uh, education programs to MPs, to doing uh, doing some protest action as well as contacting everybody on the other side, trying to get them to come over. So it was a multi tier approach. I call it a strategy with spirit approach. Because we also did some spiritual shamanism, activism, quantum activism to shift the consciousness and shift the attitude that was really happening, which was why the whole bill was happening in the first place. And as a result of that, we turned the media around because they were whitewalling us. They weren't giving any uh, giving us any coverage on the media at all. And all of a sudden, we started to get them turning around and then we postponed the decision for two weeks. And... Um, doing all of this quantum activism, you know, behind the scenes stuff and media got on our side. And when the media got on our side, we started to get more traction in parliament and we had several MPs start to cross the floor on the issue until finally they didn't have the numbers and they couldn't go to vote and pass it into law. So most people know about the work I've done with that, uh, if they know that story at all. From the public perspective, I was the public face of that whole campaign and they know all of the, you know, the strategy stuff, but they don't know all of the spiritual shamanic stuff that we as a team did behind the scenes to shift consciousness. Because mm -hmm. as you know, consciousness creates everything that, that's in our reality. And if you don't shift the consciousness, you're really just changing deck chairs around on a Titanic. Um, <laughs> and and <laughs> it's a great analogy. It's yeah, a great so, analogy. Um, yeah, the consciousness stuff is the stuff that really excites me because that's my five-year-old little girl getting to fulfill her mission. And everybody was saying to me, this is your mission. The reason why you were so successful is because it was your mission. You're the one. You know, we used the whole matrix thing. And then I just went, you know, this is something I'm so passionate about. And somebody said to me, that is really amazing. You need to find out what your secret source was and teach it to activists, campaigners, social entrepreneurs, anybody who's on a mission to change the world or create a better place here on earth and give them those skills and train them in those skills so we can really get all of these wonderful sustainable projects off the ground.
Mm, wow, fantastic. So let's get a bit practical and have a look at what you were doing spiritually to shift that consciousness. Because there are so many amazing people out there that are bumping up against you know, limiting ideas, both politically and with councils mm -hmm. and, and just in mainstream, well, in media. <laughs> mm -hmm. And most people think that they have to shift the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, and do. Yeah, and do, and, and do it tirelessly and wonder why they're not making any headway. And mm -hmm. as you say, it is a conscious, like you have to shift your consciousness and not the deck chairs. So what were some of the strategies that you were implementing that you were putting in place? Well, to answer that question, first of all, I have to backtrack a little bit so that you can understand what I'm about to say and um, have a look at fundamentally understanding what creates our universe, what creates our world. Through all of the trainings that I've done and in my own awakening, it comes down to uh, matrices of beliefs that are projected outwards and then, you know, energy is given to, to the spirit of it or to the spirit of the consciousness and it becomes form, particles assemble according to belief. So the world as we see it is a projection of collective consciousness at its lowest common denominator. And throughout history, every time that lowest common denominator belief is raised, the world changes. So for example, the, the world consciousness belief that women weren't smart enough to be able to vote, when that gets raised, when the collective raises that belief and that shifts, then the outer world shifts. And that's happened many times. Yeah. You know, when, the, when enough of the critical mass of the collective consciousness believes that it's not okay to enslave human beings, then that gets lifted and then all of a sudden we see the change out there in yeah. the world. Yeah, every time, every time we move. Every single time. Yeah, we move more towards unity. Yeah, we raise our vibration. But there are collective conscious pockets around the planet because, as you know, in New Zealand and Australia, the collective consciousness vibrates slightly higher than places that are still persecuting women mm -hmm. or enslaving mm -hmm. their people. So there are different sort of areas of vibrational resonance around the planet. There are, and, and the vibration is the one aspect of it, but even within New Zealand and Australia, and, and this is a case in point with, with the work that we're doing with the Awaken Mastery Retreat we've got coming up, we've been targeting men. I deal with a lot of really amazing men and, you know, I, I don't really have much to do with men who, whose minds have are so programmed they're unable to think for themselves. But we've had a lot of hate stuff posted on our Facebook page about women need to know their place, they've got to get back into the kitchen where they belong. Really? And, and, not, and with the F word and the C word interjected amongst all of that. So, there, you know, there might be pockets of consciousness in, in the Middle East that are really still suppressing women, but that consciousness is here as well. So it's at the collective level, it goes deep into the subconscious mind, not, not what people are saying at a mind level or in the world level where it's unacceptable to have those beliefs and spout those beliefs here in the Western world because there are certainly a lot of people, men and women, that still harbour them. So where we're measuring the collective consciousness is down at that subconscious level where our ancestral programming is, where our collective consciousness programming and attachment is. And that's where it gets measured. It doesn't mm -hmm. get measured on what we actually say and speak out of our mouth. 
as Esther Hicks says, you know, the old grumpy ones are dying off and the new sparky enlightened ones are coming through. <laughs> Even just with the birth of the kids that are coming through and growing up, the collective consciousness is shifting hugely. Yes. Yeah, I just see it in my, you know, my daughter and her friends and and her whole generation, how different they are to my generation in their beliefs and in their sense of connection and unity. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely. And I also think that men are catching up by and large because with the, <laughs> with the women's with the women's movement, we've had the freedom to do all of the personal development work because we've, you know, like if we've been in relationships where the men have been supporting us, which actually I've actually never had that experience, but you know, but I'm talking generally. Um, <laughs> they um, still on the table, darling, still on the table. <laughs> But, but they've had, you know, like they can go to the yoga classes and the tennis classes and the book book reading classes and the self development classes because they've had a, you know, a little bit more time on their hands to do that. Whereas the men, if they've been in relationships where they're the breadwinner, by and large, they've still been trained to go to war every day for the family or to go to war for the nation. So, you know, this new generation mm. of men that are coming out, uh, coming into relationships where women are helping with the financial status of the family is start, it's allowing men to free them up a little bit to go on their own self-development path yeah. and their own um, spirituality path. Which yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah, which absolutely. is what my marriage was. My marriage was supporting my husband through his awakening which didn't work either so I don't know if it works at all but anyway that's another story <laughs> so, so getting back to saving the planet okay so the collective <laughs> I do. You know, like I had, I'd been well trained in physics, and I had worked with a really good friend of mine, Jerry Spicer, who most Australians will remember was the drummer out of Men at Work. Uh, right. You know him from the Land Down Under. But what right. a lot of people don't know is he's a physics major, right. and he teaches businesses how to use physics to create harmony in the workplace and and greater profits. Mm. So I'd done quite a lot of work with him. We'd had lots of conversations. So all that information was ingrained in my head. I'd read A Course in Miracles. I've read all of Edgar Casey's work. I mean, I was really well read. And I just started applying all of these things as a second skin, so to speak. And what I found myself doing when I was writing press releases is I get myself into the state where, you know, being a public speaker, I'd be speaking and I would line up the entire media in front of me. I would then pull their energy into my heart and into my subconscious mind as if they were actually there with me on the same side as me going, yes, you're right. Oh, I see that. Yeah. And I would imagine them really understanding what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Now, Karen, here's, here's this really weird, wild thing that began to happen. Mm -hmm. So as I said, when we, when, when we we first started putting out press releases I had the organization um, Health Freedom New Zealand when Health Freedom New Zealand put out the press releases that I had written and what have you they weren't getting picked up but I started doing this speaking my press releases as I was writing them speaking them to the choir and seeing the choir was converting or converted and then one day we're watching TV and lo and behold, the newscaster said my press release verbatim, word for word, in the opening address of the mainstream news. But I never got quoted as those words coming from me and my organisation never got quoted, which I didn't care about. In fact, it was better that I wasn't quoted because the mainstream believe what comes out of the newscaster's voice. Yeah. And that's when things began to unravel. Definitely. And I went, oh my God, oh, oh my goodness, that's working. So then I started doing that particular thing every day. Mm -hmm. And let's break down what I was doing. 
I was putting into practice connecting to the collective of collective mindset down here in my heart and in my in my subconscious mind as if they were me. They weren't opposite me, but they, I had also got them projected outwards, which means I was using my frontal uh, frontal lobe brain, projecting and visioning what it was that I wanted to see in the world and what I wanted to happen simultaneously. This is, this is so important. This is just so important what you're saying because I come up against people that are trying to save the world in so many ways. They're, they want everyone to be a vegan or they want the, to save the bees or to save the planet or the whales, whatever. And they're pushing against those people, you know, they're, they're resisting instead of loving them and bringing them into their heart like you were doing they're pushing against them and making them wrong and when you make someone wrong you can never shift anything while you're making something wrong you know and so what you're doing is just brilliant brilliant yeah yeah when you make somebody thank you when you make somebody wrong you're part of the problem because that's what our government does it makes people wrong for Mm -hmm. not wanting to vaccinate Mm -hmm. it makes people wrong for you know wanting to take care of their health it makes people wrong for wanting to take care of the environment so the mental activity that goes into making someone wrong is exactly the same Mm -hmm. as what it is they're fighting it's just they believe their side is right and the other's wrong and that's what you know and that's israel and palestine and that's polarity it's polarity Mm -hmm. exactly and i never fought and in my visualizations i never ever forced anybody to agree with me Mm -hmm. because i i wasn't trying to convince them of my point of view i was asking questions because my if you read any of my press releases you just type nicola grace health freedom new zealand and you'll see a whole lot of press releases out there with lots of spelling errors I was very penetrating, you know, it's like the, the, and the words shall be thy sword, you know, that it would penetrate with truth. And so it was just there as an opening to let people have the ability to just go, yes, I'm seeing that or I'm awakening to that. Yeah, brilliant. So you were doing some fantastic work and you were doing this when you're in your 40s and also you were facing the news of cancer while you were changing legislation what was happening personally for you personally I mean just before I stepped up and um, and offered that mission strategy I had just been diagnosed with final stages melanoma and my doctors was our oncologist was wanting to chop my left leg off and just for the sake of being able to live 30% chance of living past three years and so I was facing that, going, oh, my goodness, am I going to, I mean, is that a real thing? Do I need to chop my leg off? I've always been a big supporter of natural health and, you know, cancer is is just a, a consciousness. And so I was facing that. And I was, from a health perspective, I couldn't have been in a better position because I was in the, I was helping the natural health industry. So I got mm. taken care of really well in that industry. But from a from an emotional perspective, I think stepping up to my mission and my purpose was what saved my life. But I also think the cancer had prepared me for and to remind me what it was I needed to do to shift the consciousness. And to give you an example of that, this was the second time I had cancer. When I was in my 20s, I was uh, I had leukemia and uh, given six months to live. And in those days, nobody had ever survived past five years of having chemotherapy and radiotherapy, which personally would never be a road that I would go down anyway. So during that time, way back, you know, in my 20s, I had a spontaneous, miraculous quantum healing, if you were, 
Mm. where I felt that pineal gland crack that that a lot of gurus talk about before you have an awakening experience. Mm -hmm. And I was catapulted out of my body. And then I had these teachers in my head asking me questions like, where is the cancer? And I looked down to discover there wasn't a body there. And I went, oh, I'm not my body. The cancer's not in my body. It's in my mind. Mm -hmm. And as I had that cognition, I was squeezed up against the black wall and it was impenetrable and I couldn't get past it and it was very dark and it was very black. And I looked at it and and this teacher came into my mind again and said, cancer's just an idea of death. And while you hold any idea of death in your mind, you will create circumstances that will bring about your death. Mm -hmm. And I just went, are you telling me death is an idea? (laughs) (laughs) It certainly Um, is. Yeah. Because if death is an idea, I can let go of ideas. I know how to let go of ideas. And I had that cognition. It was just like I got catapulted through these wormholes. And as I was coming down the wormholes, I started to become more aware of my body. I started coming into my physical body. I saw silver threads going through my veins, gold threads going through my blood, and I realized that I was resurrecting and I was going through this transfiguration process. And when I came to... My whole body, I'd been tested, got completely remineralized. I had, you know, antioxidants and vitamins and minerals through the roof in my body. And needless to say, I've been free of leukemia ever since. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, that taught me. Like, Mm. when I went through that experience and I came to, I went, oh, that's what they mean by you can move mountains. Yes, exactly. I I get it. We can move mountains with our consciousness. I get I get it now. What we need to do is track back to what the idea is that was the cause of the creation of that and dissolve it and mm-hmm. let it go. Mm-hmm. And then everything reconfigures just like my body reconfigured. So what I did is I took that technique and I took that idea and experience and applied it to a lot of what I was doing in 2006 when I was working with the natural health industry to dissolve the, the, the consciousness that was creating the bullying. Yeah. Here's what I want to explore with you. So I was having the same thought yesterday as I was peering into the mirror and looking at how my skin is aging. And then the thought is, you know, age is just an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then the next thought is, do I want to indulge in that idea? Is that part of what I want to experience in this physical body? And so when you're bumping up against a collective conscious idea like cancer or like age or like any of those collective conscious ideas like women are not as good as men or whatever, you know, we're all believing on a subconscious collective, you know, how do you shift that within yourself? Group work. Group work. So, Group work. so you would happen, say... It, it doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't can, happen on its own. Okay. You can begin to unravel it on your own, certainly, and mm-hmm. you can disconnect a little bit from the matrix. But because you're one with everything else and everyone else out there, the final unplug can't be done on your own. It needs to be done in a group. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting because with you know there's a lot of healers out there that are really being challenged to work in groups 
and doing group work and group healing and clearing. And I think that the bigger picture on that is because that's the next level that we've got to get to, mm -hmm. where we come together as a collective, we come together as a group, and we do the massive clearing work as a group. Because what I see in a room when, when, I, when I go through our transformation processes in Awaken Mastery is that one person will pop and then the whole room will pop. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's just, it, it's really phenomenal the way that works mm. because when, you, when you're attached to a collective, you move your bit on your own. You can only get so far, but when a collective is moving it with you, a number of 12, 12 people or more, that collective moves it and you move further or faster and you get out a lot faster yeah, as well. So fantastic, that's, fantastic. That's the job at hand. Yeah, that's the job at hand, definitely. That's a great reminder to, you know, not try and do this by yourself. Yeah. Get, get some charms, get your tribe, gather your tribe. Yeah. I, you know, I had a client the other day who was all upset because she's the breadwinner and she's pushing against that because the husband's been unemployed. Going back to that story that we were talking about before, you know, the women have the, have the power and they're they're earning the money and the intelligence while the men are sorting themselves out. So that's what's happening inside her marriage and she's pushing against it. And mm. then in the session it was like, but what if this is perfect? You mm. know, like what if, why are you pushing against something that's supposed to be? But that's the collective idea that the man goes to work and supports the woman. Yes, the woman can earn money and have a career, but if the man's out of work, that's not on. He has to make money and support the family. That's a collective idea that... It is. It's an enslaving idea. It's an enslaving because, idea. Because it enslaves men to work for the man and to be have a master over him yep. so you can have a roof over your head and you can take care of your children. Yep. And I, I don't think that's the answer to raising children. The answer to raising children is getting back to the extended family where the aunties, the infirm and the grandparents raise the children so both men and women work the fields. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating mm -hmm. stuff. Mm. So you would say to anyone struggling at the moment with some ideas that they'd like to transform. Don't try and do it by yourself. Connect with a group and do some transformational work together, like what you're doing with your mastery program. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, I'm a big believer in continuing to do your own personal transformation anyway. I work, I've got a couple of clearing practitioners because of that, you know, being a public speaker and being out there as a, a so-called dissident, <laughs> you know, being active and everything, there's a lot of stuff that comes back at you. So I constantly clear. And the more, you know, the more you get and the further you get rather with your purpose and your mission, the more you're going to get that backlash. So I do the constant personal one-on-one -on -one clearing. But the group clearing work, like when I lead my Quantum Game Changer program, when we do the uh, Awakened Mastery training for people to train them in everything that I've learned to do, and then some, I see things lift. And then I'll look in the newspaper and I will see something shifts in the world. To give you an example of that, I first started teaching the Awakened Mastery techniques to a small group of people around about the time when uh, Myron, is it Myron Sukumaran mm -hmm, or what was mm -hmm. it? the Bali Nine guys yep. were up against yep. their, their thing. And in the beginning, I just started putting that out. Like for me, I felt that it was a really important win for everybody if that uh, state-sanctioned murder did not happen. So I was working, doing the quantum activism stuff that I did with the natural health industry and I was teaching other people how to do it. 
And every day that we did it together, the next day and the day after, I started hearing a different rhetoric on the radio. And then the Mustafa of Perth went over to talk about clemency to the Indonesian president. And the D-Day got postponed and postponed and postponed and postponed and postponed. So I knew we were having a direct effect on shifting the consciousness of that. And I absolutely believed 100% that we could turn that around. But then I did a training day. And this is a really important point. I did a training day with uh, a whole group of people and we we did some quantum activism on this particular issue and everybody was rah-rah, this was really great. Then I had one woman come up to me at the end of it and she said, I felt instinctively that my and my guides were telling me that these two had to die because they're going to be teaching the world a lesson. And she had this whole story. And when I looked at her, I saw the program that she was under and she was just spouting out this program. And I remember thinking, that's the fly in the ointment. The, like the mind that, that doesn't completely understand that nobody has to sacrifice themselves or that, that sacrifice is a satanic practice is going to be the fly in the ointment because nobody has to die to teach anybody a lesson. That's a program. And I looked at her and I just blessed her and gave her a lot of love and I gave her my perspective on it. And, uh, and I just thought, you know what, it's going to be so much harder now for me to continue doing what I'm doing now that that's been presented and I work really hard, I work my butt off and I got a group of people together to work my butt off to turn things around. But then, of course, they were they were murdered. And, and that's a really important point. When you're working with people, they have to have a certain level of mastery and understanding and a certain level of programming already taken out of them so they don't inadvertently anchor in the program that's already running. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. But, you know, there's a program that runs and this is a this is what I'm experiencing a lot with the people I'm interviewing at the moment, that there is an idea called death, which you talked about before, yeah. Yeah. and that when someone is murdered or is killed or dies, that they actually die or they, you know, that there's mm -hmm. something that has gone wrong. And when you speak to people that have transitioned, oh my God, they're so happy to be home, no matter yeah. the circumstance yeah. of their death, no matter if they died at yeah. one or two or a hundred, if it was a dreadful cancer or if they were hit by a truck or murdered for being drug smugglers mm. in a prison, it's mm. when they return home, there is nothing that has gone wrong. Like there hasn't been a sacrifice. The fact that they've left their body hasn't been a sacrifice for them. Mm. So the fly in the ointment is to look at death like a bad thing. So the collective says, I'm going to punish you by killing you. And mm. then when you leave your body and you return back to bliss, it's like, ha ha, no punishment there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the fly in the ointment. Death is not a punishment. Punishment in itself is a stupid idea. I mean, that's mm. what we've got to get over that idea. As well, yeah. Uh, rather than, oh, you know, if someone does something that's not cool, don't punish them, retrain them, re do your course or do quantum course or change your idea about yourself, your limiting ideas rather than this punishment idea. That's mm. something that really needs to shift in the collective, I think, of our planet. So for everyone doing this, this work, that's creating a shift in the collective for everybody, really. 
Mm, it is most definitely and I think we're about to go exponential Karen I mean I know with you with everybody that I'm speaking to we feel like we're being sped up as if there was some kind of an urgency or an imperative for us to get on our game and to move out of our petty little oh I'm, I'm not good enough nobody's going to listen to me I'm going to get persecuted whatever that petty program yeah. is, is that we're running that's preventing us and holding us back from really giving our gift and yeah. our medicine our sacred medicine and honoring the sacred agreement we have with mother earth uh whatever that is that's holding you back it's time to get off the pity pot and just yeah. you know like all hands on deck seriously <laughs> say that again time to get off the time to get off the pity pot <laughs> that's hysterical <laughs> no, we, i know i interviewed an amazing author that's that's changing the world written an amazing book and we swapped sessions together and i won't go into names but she was still doing that you know i was persecuted for my beliefs in a past life and it's kind mm -hmm. of like yeah okay we were we were we were all persecuted yeah, yeah get over it now yeah. <laughs> you're not yeah. being persecuted quite so much you might have a few comments on youtube but you're not really being persecuted this time so you're free you're free to move forward <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a real, you know, and then that's something that I've had to go through, especially, you know, when when I speak on stage, up until very recently, I always used to hear shots being fired because I always remember being um, assassinated for being um, speaking out against the status quo. Yeah, and um, you just get you get over it so that you can be on point, so that you can you can move forward and you can fulfill your mission because you can't you can't and you won't fulfill your mission without some kind of clarity of mind and without some kind of real connection to that mission and without help. I mean, even somebody like Martin Luther King, who's like a massive major change maker of our time. Yeah. had counsel you know through his own through his own religious beliefs and what have you he was in counsel and in prayer on a daily basis yes he, he, he didn't just do what he did without not doing the spiritual stuff and he did it in his way I do it in my way people you know they find their way that's why I say strategy with spirit if you don't have the spirit part then uh, it's uh, it's going to be a real uphill battle and you'll get burned out Absolutely. Got to reconnect on a daily basis. Okay, so the future, let's look towards the future. What would you like to see happen with your work and with the collective? What's your dream? What's your desire? Well, I'm, on, I'm on a mission to train a thousand change makers to wake up and remember their superpowers beyond their six senses. Because I'm meeting a lot more people now who are saying to me, hey, I've got a memory of being able to levitate. I'm having visions of seeing other dimensions. I'm, I've got this vague feeling I'm going to be able to fly or that I can use my voice and sound and I can bust up forms so that I can help people heal spont spontaneously. Like There are people that I'm speaking to all over the world that are waking up to a power within them that comes from source that is to be used for good in the world. So my mission is to find those people and to train them in the quantum activism that I've been talking about, which would then helps them naturally wake up to what those abilities are so they can really release their sacred medicine on the world for the purpose of, you know, making sure we do reach the new earth that Eckhart told, talks about, which, by the way, says he's pitched it at happening in about 50 years' time. I don't want to live the next 50 years under a fascist dictatorship, one world government. So I, I want it here and now, which was his first book, wasn't it? The Power of Now. <laughs> so, so, and I believe that that I'm part of, and I believe you know people in my tribe are part of bringing that 
into reality and i'm looking for those people who want to who want to do that training and that awakening and so that we, we come into the new year and everybody's ready there's no more oh i've got to do this first or i need to connect to myself or i need to get over my distraction or i need to get this sorted first in my life there's none of that it's just like i'm ready i'm here i'm available and i'm on fire and let's go for it let's go for it so where are you doing the courses are you doing them online or in person at the moment, we've got a, a retreat coming up. We're at Conscious Life Expo this weekend at Kiwana, but we're doing a retreat from the 18th to the 22nd of uh, November in Noosa Springs up here in Queensland at a really, really sacred spot at the Noosa Springs Spa Resort. Beautiful. And it, yeah, because we're doing quite a lot of physical shifting and cellular uh, removal of programming. Any, anybody that um, fancies themselves as, you know, somebody who, who wants to participate in a really big, meaningful way to change the world um, is welcome to come, uh, you know, if you've done a certain amount of work yourself and just really remove the residual program that's holding you back from really being the big super being that you are and then coming into a day where we'll do some massive quantum activism and shifting at the world at a really real level. So that's at Noosa. And the website that you can go to to find out all about that is Awakened mastery retreat that's awakened as if you are already awakened because there's a place in you that already is awakened awakened mastery retreat.com and all the way down the bottom there is a invitation to have a free breakthrough transformative session with myself and the partner that i'm doing the program with janine seymour spirit medicine woman and you can talk to us and we lead you through a sound healing and a transformation breakthrough and, and and talk to you to see if you know you're ready for this level of transformation well, that sounds fantastic. And for people that can't make the retreat in Noosa coming up, how can people connect online? And do you do any sort of group activations online? We do. And we've also got a free gift for everybody. If you go to that same website, awakenedmastery.com, you'll see on the top right, it says free activations. You sign up for that and there's four sound healings and activations to facilitate you waking up and coming into yourself as a new earth facilitator, somebody who's going to facilitate this new way of living and this new way of being to help you come into that. And as I said, there's four of them. So you just sign up for that. You'll get an email that will take you to the site where you can uh, watch all of the four videos and get the activations that way. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like amazing work that you're doing. I congratulate you. you. Thank you. And it's an exciting time we're living in, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. So thanks so much for having a chat with us on ATP today, Nicola. Great. And um, thanks, I look Karen. forward to hearing more from you. And Brilliant. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, everybody, for listening all the way to the end here. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Nicola. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're interested in discovering more of your mastery, and you want to speak with Nicola Grace, go to awakenedmastery.com. If you'd like to hear more enlightened conversations with conscious thought leaders, go to karenswain.com and check out some of the radio guests we've had on ATP Radio. Remember to join us on Facebook, Accentuate the Positive with Karen Swain and Blissful Beings, Reminders from Home. Catch you next time. Bye for now. Hey.